Hello, queen, and welcome to the Spiritually Hyped Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara, also known as Spiritual Hype Woman, and I am your best friend for your spiritual journey. You are in the right place if you are ready for transformational conversations to connect with your truest self. My hope is that you grow more authentically aligned with a lot of hype from me along the way. Let's grow together and live a more purpose-driven life. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Spiritually Hyped Podcast. I am so glad that you are here and we're going to continue our conversation talking about people-pleasing. So if you missed last week's episode, I dropped a conversation talking about overcoming people-pleasing. I kind of go through you know, some signs that you can look out for, kind of an overall view of what people pleasing actually is and what it might mean for your life and really in truthfully honest ways to work through it and some ways to get started. I thought it was needed to have a follow-up to this conversation because it's really important to have factual information and logical steps I think that's all great, but I think hearing from a person from perspectives of their own life story is immensely helpful if you're journeying through this for the first time, or maybe you have been struggling with this for a long time and you really don't know which way to turn and you think that you're going to be in this people-pleasing cycle for the rest of your life, I am here to let you know that you can absolutely overcome it, work through it with some, you know, experiences and tidbits from my own life that I hope will just inspire you, if anything, to work on yourself in this way so you can feel more aligned with the truest version of yourself and honestly free yourself of the burden of needing external validation, of needing people to like you, of feeling the need to be the go-to problem solver for every situation that pops up in everyone's life. You can release a lot of these unnecessary expectations on yourself. So I hope that's what this episode does for you today. So diving in to my people-pleasing story, I feel like this could go a lot of directions. And I want to give the main highlights of things that I feel are the most important to touch on the things that I know that in conversations with clients and friends alike have been repetitive. So as in, I see this a lot and I've heard this a lot. I thought that I was the only person that was experiencing this, but it turns out that a lot of people who struggle with people pleasing have gone through this as well. So I want to start with family dynamics. Family dynamics are very much reserved, and I want to put the disclaimer out right away. It is best dealt with in my experience, in my personal opinion, working through with a licensed clinical social worker, a therapist, mental health professional of any kind, someone who is very much 
immersed in the mental health component that people-pleasing tendencies coincide with, right? How they affect each other. I don't think that this should be worked through with a coach that you find online. That is just my personal opinion. And now I say that because as you know, my bio straight up reads, I help people, people, pleasers and perfectionists find joy. It is true that a lot of my audience is usually recovering people pleasers, recovering perfectionists. But I think the core of these issues, when they stem deep to family dynamics and things within the home, maybe deep in your childhood, that means it's something beyond what a coach with a certification can do. I think that's really important to highlight. And if you happen to find support through a coach because you've done the work with a therapist or a mental health professional in some capacity, that's amazing. But make sure you vet out and see if that coach has worked with other folks who are like you in that experience. But 100%, my personal and honest opinion is to work through deeper, more, um, I would say like compounding issues with a therapist first. And yes, you can absolutely do work on your own in tandem if you're in therapy or interested in therapy. And I feel like that is how you can get the best results here. So by family dynamics, I mean, what were the experiences you had growing up? So if there was a lot of fighting, say between your mom and another sibling, your dad and a different sibling, your parents fought, did you feel the need to keep the peace within the family and keep your opinions to yourself, to not cause trouble, stay out of trouble, be the good girl, be the good boy, be the one who was the problem solver and would step in. I didn't know this until, you know, I guess I would say maybe five-ish years ago, but I didn't really know the full impact of how much I wanted to stop the fighting in my house, even if it was like normal, casual fighting, like obviously nothing aggressive or, you know, um, physical altercations, but just yelling, yelling and raising of voices was a very big trigger for me. And my people pleasing instinct would kick in and be like, how can I dim the noise? How can I make sure that mom and dad aren't fighting? Mom and brother aren't fighting. Dad and brother aren't fighting. You know, whatever the case may be for your family situation. But my situation was, how can I stop any of it from happening? I don't want anyone mad at anyone. I don't want there to be any yelling. I don't want anyone to have this tension, this anger. And what I now know as clairsentience, right? The clear feeling, the feeling and taking on of other emotions and feelings and energies of people. When you're a child, you're significantly more sensitive to all of those things, like, you know, 10 times over. So when I was feeling so confused and conflicted, it was because there was so much of this 
conflict, I guess you can say, and disruption that would make me feel like I needed to step up and do whatever it takes or whatever it would take to stop the yelling, stop the screaming, stop the arguments, the fighting, the anger, the frustration, and just have the happy family. And that was the first time I saw that as a repetitive behavior and definitely continued all throughout my life up until, you know, I left for college. It was very much, I was always, how can I stop this? How can I be the solution? How can I be the problem solver? How can I keep my opinions to myself? Even if something was completely unprovoked, you know how, and obviously I have a beautiful relationship with my siblings, but you know, of course, like being a sister and having two brothers, you know, brothers just pick on the little sister. That's, that's a normal thing. And there's literally nothing wrong with it. And I loved growing up with two older brothers, but you know, there would be sometimes where I would just get set, you know, something would be set like that dress is slutty, you know, like just very general things that were, I mean, maybe true. I, don't know, maybe it was inappropriate for school, but just something like that would be said. And in my mind, like my mind didn't process to be mad that this was said to me or upset that it was said to me. It was, how can I just make sure I don't respond and don't react to not bring up an argument, a fight, uh, yelling, escalation of voices, all of those things. And then I realized the same thing would trickle over into friendships. I would make sure that I would do anything for friends. I was never a person to start a fight, even even if something was actually wrong. I would keep to myself. I would try to let it go. I would try to move past it. I would say, oh, I'm, I'm, just, a sen- I'm just too sensitive. I need to let it go right and i realized that this spilled over from my family dynamics into friendships and childhood and teenage years into then when i realized i got older and started jobs i you know was the yes one i said yes to everything i said yes to every shift anytime someone would text me out of the blue asking to take their shift or change with them or whatever i truthfully never said no. I worked as much as I possibly could. I was told so many times, especially when you're 17, you're, you know, a minor. And there were so many times where I was approaching that legal limit of not being able to work more. So, you know, they had to tell me like, you literally cannot take another shift. And I think that's where things just got more difficult is I started at this job in, excuse me, in retail, And even in that space, you are groomed to be a yes person, you know, you're groomed to not really set boundaries, especially back in this time, this was like 2011, 2012, and so on. You were, you know, customers always right, do whatever you can, be polite, be kind, make it an experience for them. And there was nothing and you were obviously treated poorly by some customers. Some people were just very unkind, but you were told to like deal with it, suck it up, de-escalate situations and do whatever you could to make sure that the customer was happy. And 
I realized that things all stemmed back to it wasn't because I was in the retail world. It wasn't because I was in the world of marketing. It wasn't because of my college experience or anything like that. All of this really stems back to if I go back to the root of it is family dynamics. And I find that with a lot of people pleasers, they agree on the same things or when it comes up in coaching in a very applicable scenario, it's the first time clients are realizing that their family dynamics were the beginning chapters of their people pleasing tendencies and they didn't realize it. So I ask people all the time, if you're working through this and you're starting this journey, so to speak, that you think back to, you know, obviously as early as you can remember for most people, that's like three or four, three or four to, I say eight, you know, so think about that key time in your life from three years old to eight years old. What were your family dynamics like? How were you as a child? What was your home like on a regular basis and maybe how did some of the things that were spoken to you said to you taught to you just a part of your everyday cadence how did that grow with you through your formative years to becoming a teenager brought with you into the work world because now i for the first time after doing a lot of work and when i say a lot of work i mean years of therapy multiple different coaching sessions different healing modalities of all kinds right that it's it's so hard to bring yourself out of it but i can confidently say i'm at a place where i am okay and don't feel one shred of guilt anytime i have to say no ever I never feel bad about having to say no if I genuinely cannot do something or fulfill something or do my absolute best work to support a person, a colleague, a family member, whatever it may be. And I know that's something that is really hard to work through, but if you go back and tie what I like to call the red thread through all of your experiences. You might find the beginning of how this all came to be. And you might find that through journaling, through therapy, through support of family and friends and loved ones that you're able to work through it a lot more when you have a support team by you and with you through the journey as well. The next thing I want to talk about that kind of ties into people pleasing really stems from, I guess you could say, how work plays a role into your life. Because for a lot of us, whether we want to admit it or not, work making a living is simply part of life right? So for a lot of us, we've been working since we were 16, maybe 22, right after college, whatever it may be. And I think what's so important about looking at your work experience when it comes to people pleasing is seeing how you have evolved. Because something that's really important that I wish I knew sooner when it came to people pleasing is there were very small things I was already doing, even before therapy. Just before therapy, I realized there were small little tiny tidbits of me wanting to break through this constant default, this autopilot of 
not being able to set boundaries, not being able to say no, seeking external validation, making sure that everyone liked me, all of these things. And I think that's really important for you because if you're listening to this and you find yourself saying, wow, I actually have done this, you're already doing the work in small ways and small steps lead to the biggest progress. I think people think that when it comes to making this massive life change, like stopping the people-pleasing tendencies, they think that they have to stop people-pleasing tomorrow. Like they're just going to wake up and it's going to be gone. And I think that's where it feels so overwhelming. And then we get frustrated. We're like, we're overwhelmed with this. We're frustrated. I'm just going to go back to what I know. But instead, I want to encourage you and again, inspire you to look at the work that you've already done. So for example, think at where you were, and I, I will use my, my life examples here to just like paint the picture. So first job in retail, said yes to every single opportunity that was ever available to me. And then when I was 18, 19, 20, let me see that 17, 18, 19, 20. I think I was there for like four or five years at this one retail job. Then I went to another retail job to finish off college. And um, it's during that time, I'll categorize all of that in retail work. So span of five years, six years of working in retail. I never turned down a shift. I never turned down a request from somebody else. I always made sure to be the yes gal to go the extra mile to make sure that no one was displeased with me the worst feeling in the world and this truly didn't ever happen i think except for like one time when i had a secret shop experience and if you don't know what that is it is when there is an undercover customer that comes in and rates the experience you know based on your company's handbook and guidelines and what you're supposed to say down to what you should be saying as you greet the customer, the tagline, right? Because those vary by different stores at this time. I don't actually know if that's the case anymore, but the way that you greet a customer, you had to say specific things. So my experience going from this one store to a boutique was two different, completely different experiences. But that to say, I didn't say the right thing to this person, the exact tagline I was supposed to say. And I was docked a point from a secret shop and I had to get written up. And I was crushed. And even the manager who wrote me up was crushed because that was just the written policy. And I probably lost sleep over that for for which is just so silly too because it's not like you got three write-ups and then you were fired i i don't remember what the policy is i think it was maybe a, a little bit more than that maybe like five write-ups but the one reason you really get written up is for a secret shop so a lot of people have been written up once twice here and there it was no big deal to anybody else but to me it was a truly like the worst thing that ever happened to me. I thought, right, at the time when you're 17 years old, it's your first job. This is, you know, like a life or death scenario. You think, right? Like, how could I have upset this customer by not saying like, hey, how's it going? Or right, or whatever I was actually supposed to say. Um, so I look at that and I ripped myself apart. I tore myself apart. And what it did in my brain was force me 
to be even more alert, even more aware of my surroundings to where work became, I definitely don't want to say bad, but where I felt like I had to make up for this one mistake over and over and over and over again. And I truly, what it boils down to is I never forgave myself and I just overextended myself and became the yes person and went way out of their way to do trainings for new employees and take on backstock shifts when people didn't want to do it and this and the other thing because I wanted everybody to like me because I felt so terrible for being that person that ruined a secret shop experience right instead of us getting like a 10 we got a 9 out of 10 like 90 percent out of 100 like i was pissed about that because i was so used to being you know the person who always did great so now flash forward i get to my first job out of college so what i like to call a real job i understand that it's obviously not a real job but real salary work is probably the better way of putting it. I was a marketing director and I very much was aware of people-pleasing tendencies by this point in the sense that one, someone had expressed it to me that (laughs) I have to laugh a little bit about this because in my first review for work, my first performance review, it was that I was very Pollyanna-ish, like Pollyanna. And I, I remember this from when I was like a child, I've only seen it like one time, but it's the girl who's always positive, likes to see the bright side, likes to turn things into a positive, even if it was a bad experience. So say, you know, at the time, I'm thinking of one example. So one example from the work perspective was the event that I did, it didn't have the best attendance at the the actual event. However, the marketing and the advertising for the event brought in the most guests to support all of the businesses that we were supporting. So our physical event didn't have high attendance, but are the people who paid to sponsor and be at the event or be around for that week leading up to it, they saw the most ROI return on investment for paying us to sponsor that event. So yes, there was a negative, but the overall support of that is we're getting the money from these businesses to come in and support it. And they were seeing success. So, you know, I always have an answer to explain myself. And there are many blunders that I have made and missteps that I have made from the time of 22 to now in my professional career. And there that was the first time where i was like you know i'm really not sorry or i'm not gonna like cater to this because at the end of the day the people who are paying us and are the reason this event happened and the reason we made so much money is because of their support and the fact that they were supported by individuals so if the attendance number was slightly down but we're gonna get all these people to come back and then even more next year that's straight up net positive. Like there's no doubt about it. So I think what that came down to all of that to say, not to like go into like a spiel of what's considered a good ROI for marketing, but I just go from this one tiny mistake of a tagline to 
yeah, my boss or manager would be really upset. Attendance was down at an event or we didn't sell enough tickets for this certain um, promotion that we had going on or I didn't have enough sponsorships for a completely separate event that we were creating. I started to notice that there was this, <laughs> it, it, it sounds more simple than I'm going to make it out in this upcoming few sentences, but the more that I was honest about, hey, I did the best that I could, and here's actually how we can look at this, not let's just look at the attendance numbers. Let's look at the overall experience from the businesses who came to the sponsorships, to our overall ROI, to the business's ROI. There's significantly more positives than negatives here in the columns if I look at them. And I was more logical about it. And I became more logical because I was put in more scenarios to work that muscle of, Instead of giving in, saying, I'm sorry, being on high alert, defaulting to people pleasing, defaulting to what can I do to make my manager like me more, work harder, work more hours, this, that, and the other thing. I slowly started to like step into the world of boundaries and I didn't know it. Now, granted in that first job post-college, I would say the first like year or two, it was pretty, I wouldn't say hard, but I would say I, I definitely struggled and I worked more than I should have and I overdid it and this, that, and the other thing. But between years two and three, I was very like, meh, you know, I did the best I could and I can have a very logical explanation. This other massive event in town was going on at the same time, or this business was not the right fit, but they were adamant about being you know, the star of this, this expo, there was nothing I could really do to say no, right? Because there are certain things where it's like, it's not even about saying no, but it's about setting the boundaries and being more kind to myself to say, you know, I'm not perfect here. I'm, everyone makes mistakes in different ways. You're not always going to get it right. And Something you have to learn just about, and I'm sure a lot of people can't resonate with this if you're not in marketing, but in marketing, you really have to understand that it's not about getting people to do a particular thing you want. It's simply about understanding people and their needs. And I think that can be beautifully correlated and tying back to ourselves in the world of people pleasing, because I went through this experience of never understanding what a boundary was, never understanding how to say no for fear that I was never going to get approval from a manager or from a boss. And what it did was set myself up to not love myself the way that I know now that I deserve to. I deserve to be gracious and kind to myself and more compassionate. And even today, I will not lie to you. And there are people who are listening to this and know that it's okay to call me out on it. But sometimes I'm still not that kind to myself if I make a mistake. It's always a work in progress. But if you would have seen me back in 2016 to where I am now in 2022, the difference is insurmountable. So looking back at family dynamics, also seeing how work ties in to your life because it is a huge part of our day-to-day, -day, but also within that, 
seeing the work that you may have already done from the time you were 18 to whatever age you might be now. You probably have already done a lot of work with this and not even be aware of it. And I want to touch on that because I want you already to know is that you're, you're doing it and you've done so many different things already, but you might not be giving yourself credit for it. And that makes this so much easier if we can just stop and recognize what we've already done. So I want you to do that for a journal prompt is to go back and see how you were in your first job and then compare it to what you're like in this new job for yourself. Maybe you no longer even work corporate. Maybe you left the retail world, the restaurant world. Maybe you work remote. Maybe you opened your own business. Maybe you were an artist and you have an Etsy shop. Whatever it may be, it does not matter. But even think of the boundaries too. If you aren't working, think of the ways that you were conditioned to say yes when you did work. Because obviously at some point, we all probably have had to work even, you know, that server job or that retail job. And then see the ways that now with your family, say you're a stay-at-home mom, say that, you know, you probably have grown a lot more already than you think you have. So I want you to journal on this, to reflect on this, to give yourself the most grace. And again, listen to the episode on people pleasing. And even the episode before that, two episodes ago, I talk about seeking external validation. It really hits home for the people pleaser. So I want you to know that this is possible to work through and you're probably already doing the work. And I'm so proud of you for that. And the last thing I'll say is that if you want to overcome this people-pleasing dilemma that you might be in, always start with yourself. Work is a really great way. Your professional life is a great way to look. Your family dynamics from childhood, great place to start. But always tie it back to you. I never want you to think it's just because of the managers or just because of your parents or just because and make that blame go out to everyone around you. That's not a healthy place to really take this from. Make it around how you adapted because really it's your responses and your reactions to the scenarios happening around you. And that's not your fault. You obviously were coming from a completely different place, but it is a beautiful place to start. So I am sending you so much love and hugs, and I will chat with you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the Spiritually Hyped Podcast. I cannot wait to see you next time for another transformational chat. If you want to connect on Instagram, you can follow me at Spiritual Hype Woman, all one word, and let me know what you would like to talk about next when it comes to spirituality. Thanks for being here.